Hello, and welcome to the Personal Injury Law Podcast. My name is Jonathan Rosenfeld, an attorney at Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers, LLC. This podcast is here to break down the barriers when it comes to the world of personal injury law. Each podcast will go into detail about a specific legal issue or type of personal injury case, from everyday occurrences to the esoteric. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. For more information, visit my website at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. Hi, everybody. Uh, I am Jonathan Rosenfeld, and today I am joined by my colleague and good friend, Jerry Beckerman, who is a partner at Taxman Pollock Murray and Beckerman in Chicago, Illinois. And one of the things that uh, I, I've always respected about Jerry is that he is a really uh, a lawyer's lawyer, if you will. Um, Jerry, I've known Jerry for over 10 years and uh, I've watched him develop as a lawyer, as a person, and really um, people, others have really started to, uh, to grab on to what I sort of recognized early on, that he's really committed to his cases, he really is dedicated to his clients, um, people, other attorneys really respect him and enjoy his company. And uh, these have not gone unnoticed by the legal world. Jerry is also, uh, I'm not going to uh, embarrass him too much, but Jerry, <laughs> Jerry has won numerous awards uh, in the legal community recently and over the past few years. He is a 2018 Chicago Daily Law Bulletin 40 Under 40, very prestigious award. He is an Illinois super lawyer, a national trial lawyers 40 under 40, top 40 in the, in the country. He is a Illinois emerging lawyer uh, for several years. And he's also a member of the, uh, lifetime member of the Million Dollar Advocates Forum and Multi-Million Dollar Advocates Forum. Um, today, I am going to talk with Jerry and get his uh, input about the steps to take after a car accident. And before we get into that, um, of all the different types of personal injury cases out there, uh, every single person, I'm sure, who's listening to this can relate to being involved in, an, in a car accident, some type of motor vehicle accident, whether they are directly involved or they have a friend or family member involved. This is something that really impacts everyone. Um, I, I, before we uh, started doing this, I just started looking around a little bit. And one of the shocking statistics that I saw was that in the state of Illinois, where we're located right now, there were almost 320,000 motor vehicle accidents uh, last year. And of those 300,000 plus accidents, there were uh, 94,164 people who were injured and 11,345 of those people sustained 
significant injuries which required extended hospitalization or medical care. Um, over a thousand people lost their lives in motor vehicle accidents in Illinois last year. So this is a extremely pervasive problem that we have. And it is something that um, really everyone needs to be aware of. So Jerry, I really appreciate you joining me today. And I, I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Um, you know, I guess from the beginning, you know, you know, an ounce of uh, uh, prevention goes a long way. And I think a lot of times if people are aware of the things that they can or should be doing after a car accident, that can really go a long way towards helping them from a physical perspective, as well as helping them from a, a legal perspective if they need to pursue a claim. Um, so first off, thank you for joining me. Of course, John, thank you. Didn't embarrass me too much. I appreciate uh, the kudos. Obviously, we've known each other a long, long time and mutually um, respect what we've accomplished in, in the legal community. And I think podcasts like these are a great way to educate people on some of the missteps that I've seen, um, you know, my 12 years of practice and, and what we see on a daily basis almost in this firm. Um, auto accidents are, you know, the bread and butter uh, of law firms. Even as large, large ones like us, we have 20 attorneys. We practice, you know, everything from medical malpractice, civil rights, work injuries. But the crux of the practice, you know, 80% of it is car accidents. Most of our clients come in uh, into our office uh, as a result of injuries they sustained in car accidents. And as part of um, working with those clients over the years, we've picked up on some of the mistakes, some of the nuances in these cases. And unfortunately, there's mistakes that are made and just steps that people aren't aware of, maybe because they're just not educated enough, they've not experienced a car accident, they're in shock, they're in surprise, they're afraid, and they don't take certain steps that unfortunately wind up hurting them in the ultimate process of working with an attorney like myself or here at our firm, you know? So um, what we, the main steps, the main things um, that people need to do, you know, we can kind of go through them. Um, the five things that we always recommend somebody does when they get in a car accident, whether it's their first or their third, and they don't know what to do um, are the following. The first five are, so you check yourself for injuries, right? Are you hurt? Are you just in shock? Are you Obviously, you can tell if you have a broken bone, you're going to be in excruciating pain, but are you unable to move your neck? Are you stiff? Are you, um, did you feel a, a, something in your knee twist when you were putting your foot on the brake? Did the seatbelt uh, give you scars and burns? And, um, you know, did the airbag go off and injure your face? There's a lot of elements involved depending on the severity of the crash. So first thing is check yourself for injuries. Am I hurt? The second thing, of course, and this one is, commonplace people do know that contact police right so get your cell phone you know you have one in the car on star things like that in some vehicles get police get law enforcement at the scene sometimes it might take a while you know, in the city of chicago police officers could come quickly at some areas and other locations maybe more rural places it takes the sheriff's office a while to get there be patient right make sure the police arrive at the scene they might be running late to pick up your kids from soccer or to an appointment, um, but having the police come is really, really crucial to build your evidence in a case. A good police report, and we'll go through these in more detail, is very critical. So make sure, check yourself for injuries, contact law enforcement, and then take some basic 
evidence gathering steps that are so crucial to attorneys like us. Take to the vehicle, maybe take a photo of the intersection, maybe call somebody, give a statement to somebody, check in. All right. Obviously, the police wait for them and give them all the factual information about what happened. Hey, now, I have Jerry, if I can yeah. stop you for for a second. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that every single person, as far as I, I'm aware of today, walks around with, they basically have them glued to their their hand is their cell phone. And a lot of Correct. times people, you know, after an accident, they may, you know, they may not be thinking clearly, they may, they're clearly shaken up, but certainly, you know, in today's world where every cell phone has a camera on it, documenting that the damage to the vehicles, documenting, you know, the area of the accident, is that something that, you know, you would suggest that people do? Very, very critical. It helps us. When you call and speak with an attorney, which is the fifth step we're going to get into, you know, get your medical attention for your injuries, contact a lawyer. But when you contact us, the three questions I'm going to ask you are, were you injured? Is there a police report? And do you have any photos of your car, the other car, your injuries, and the scene of the occurrence, right? And that's really, really, really critical for us as lawyers because that makes us figure out what we need to do and how quickly we need to move. Um, what's good evidence? If you are claiming that you, you, know, you can't move your neck and your shoulder because of this really huge rear end by a pickup truck, um, it would be great to have a picture to show that that really happened as opposed to, oh, I don't know, we don't have any photos. And then, you know, a month or two later, uh, the insurance claim gets open and we get a photo of the back of your car and there's not even a scratch on it. We're going to be like, well, I don't understand. I thought you said this is a huge, you know, you got hit at 50 miles per hour by this pickup truck. Um, and, you know, where's damage? That doesn't mean you don't have a case or you weren't injured, but it would just be a, a thing that we would look at uh, with not suspicion, but with just curiosity. And obviously the insurance company, defense lawyers, <clears throat> things like that I would look at the intersection the scene of the occurrence the other vehicle maybe your car doesn't have a lot of damage to it because uh, you have a nice big uh, you know american built uh, tank uh you got rear-ended by a, a toyota camry that folded like a, an accordion well that's good evidence for us that this was a large impact that there was some trauma um, that could have resulted from significant forces right the intersection Well, you said you had a, a green light or you said that um, there was a construction zone. So you slowed down for the construction zone as you're required to do under the law, but you're claiming that the person that hit you didn't slow down. Well, just take a couple of pictures, right? You have your phone in your hand. We're all glued to them. Show me a, a, a construction barrier. Show me a work zone. It's really, really helpful because that work zone might be gone the next day, right? And so we're going to have to take a lot more steps to prove that there was construction going on that day. And that was a cause of why somebody was negligent and how they were driving. So yeah, pictures, evidence, very important. So after these, this accident, we have the, the police are there, you know, the police are documenting everything, which is important for preserving the evidence and preserving the, the, the scene of the accident and how this incident occurred and the photographs are taken, um, what is really, what should someone be thinking after that? You know, let's say that maybe their back or their neck 
you know, is giving him some problems after an accident, which is, you know, very common. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, people are in shock after an accident and they're, they're just not thinking clearly, but, um, you know, at some point, you know, a lot of times these are delayed onset, you know, conditions. Um, at some point, would you suggest that someone get checked out by a doctor? Yeah, absolutely. So most uh, most of the time when you call the police, you're also going to get an ambulance if you're in a car accident. So a lot of municipalities here in Chicago and all over, um, they're going to offer you an ambulance, right? And to offer to take you to the hospital. A lot of times you actually have to refuse the ambulance ride. Now, we always tell people don't refuse if you're legitimately injured go to the hospital because the shock is, you know, a stimulant that could be making affect your judgment. But I mean, if you're hurt and an ambulance comes and you're involved in a big accident and you're feeling pain, you should probably go, go to the hospital, uh, take the EMS ride. Now, if you can't, if you're concerned because you have a child in the car that's not injured or you, um, you're concerned about what will happen to your car, if the tow truck's not there or, or you know, any other circumstance, um, you know, do what you have to do at the scene, finish up with the police, finish up with the tow driver, or maybe drive the car home if it's um, salvageable, and then get immediate attention that night, go to an urgent care, maybe the next morning at the latest. There's so many urgent care facilities now, you know, you know we, we have a new uh, boom in um, private medicine in this country, there's so many different clinics, um, you know, obviously you got your classic emergency rooms, but go get medical care. One of the biggest issues we see and that hinders our ability to recover the most amount of money for clients is a delay in medical treatment. So, uh, you know, I'd call it the classic tough guy syndrome, although it applies to soccer moms as well. Uh, I'll be fine. You know, I can't lift my shoulder up and my God, I got tingling coming down into my feet from my back, but uh, yeah, I'll be all right. You wait a day, you wait a second day. But you know what? I'll call my primary care doctor. Oh, they won't get me in till next Friday. You know, now we have a 10-day, we call gap in treatment, right? And you may well have great intentions uh, and try to hold off and try to not go see a doctor, but in the insurance world, you're going to be flagged as someone that probably isn't hurt. And they're going to argue to a jury, a judge, or, or devalue um, your case, even if it's legitimate, and say, well, wait a minute, no reasonable person would wait 10 days to go seek medical attention if they claim they have a torn rotator cuff or herniated disc or any of these medical issues. So sooner you can get medical attention, given your circumstances, the better. It's very, very important. It's one of the main, uh, I call them case killers, uh, an otherwise great case or an otherwise compensable claim that's going to either be dragged out for years by defense or undervalued or rejected outright. Now, if there are, you know, you've seen hundreds and hundreds of car accident cases where, you know, varying types of injuries and everything. But, um, you know, if you had two, two different people, one person, you know, goes to the hospital after the accident, the other person goes home, sits on the couch, um, you know, it's clearly in pain. They take some, you know, uh, over-the-counter pain medication. They take it easy. Maybe they take some time off from work. You're going to see drastically, potentially drastically different results based on not even necessarily what the injury is, but the type of medical care that they uh, receive following the injury, the accident. Um, and 
I, I guess that as someone who's seen that over and over and over again, um, would you agree that it's just really important that you not only get medical care initially, but that you actually follow through with the prescribed uh, care, whether it's physical therapy, whether it's getting uh, medication, whether it's taking time off from work? Um, can you talk a little bit about how, you know, those factors play into the eventual outcome of a case in terms of settlement or trial verdict? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having tried you know dozens of cases, I, I've seen the arguments actually made by lawyers for insurance companies to jurors, and those arguments appeal you know to the common sense of twelve people in a jury box. Well, if they were so injured as they claim two years ago, they should have gone to the emergency room and they didn't go for five days. Or alternatively. Well, they went to the emergency room and they said that they were hurt and then they were told to follow up with a pain management physician or an orthopedic surgeon for the shoulder and they never went for two months, right? Those are, again, it's a continuation of that gap in treatment kind of argument and, and it makes sense. It resonates because as a person sitting on a jury that's going to relate to your common sense because you're going to say, well, wait a minute, if I have a torn shoulder or a herniated disc and now I have to have surgery or my... Uh, knee was torn, I would for sure go to an orthopedic doctor if that's what they told me to do, or I would for sure go to physical therapy if that's what they told me to do. And it makes you as the injured victim in a case seem almost less credible, if that makes sense. So it's really, really critical after you seek your first care, whether it be ER, urgent care, or your primary the next day, and there's a referral made, you know, you follow the steps. And Physical therapy, you know, is conservative care, if you will, four to six weeks. If that's what's recommended, you go. If you improve, great. If you don't, they usually recommend you see a specialist, either for spine, or orthopedic, or sports injuries, or pain management. Go to those appointments, right? Ultimately, they may say, well, we need more imaging of your spine or your shoulder or your knee or your ankle. Go get that MRI, right? If you don't take the steps that are recommended, um, obviously, it's adverse to your health. A and B, you're gonna it's gonna come back to bite you because a good common sense argument can be made that well if they're hurt why aren't they following doctor's orders? That makes sense. Um, I, I've seen personally firsthand, you know, people a lot of times, especially when they're doing physical therapy, um, they may feel some initial benefit, they may feel some initial pain relief, and they say, all right, hey, I've been to two weeks of physical therapy, I've gotten some, you know some improvement, I've gotten some massage, uh, I'm starting to feel better, and they decide, hey, all right, I'm done. And they decide to basically take a pause and move on, and then life essentially gets in the way, and then a month or two months later, they're, they really realize that they've either plateaued out or actually regressed in terms of their, um, their healing. And I've really seen that destroy a case um, in terms of a, a settlement for them because they really do have a legitimate injury. Um, and it's an unfortunate thing. So I, I really agree with you that, you know, really seeing things through is really the key um, in a case like this, because, you know, as a trial lawyer, you know, you're, you're basically limited to the evidence that you have. And, uh, you know, you can, you can be the best lawyer in the world, but if someone is not, following doctor's orders, they're not doing the things that they need to do. Um, there's only so much um, that you can do as a lawyer to really help improve 
the value of their case and position it for uh, a good outcome. So um, yeah. I think we got to come up with excuses for you then. You know, you're going to have to explain that uh, you didn't have babysitting and uh, you had too many errands or work wouldn't let you go. I mean, there's obviously common sense answers to the um, criticisms, but you're just creating more work, you're creating less credibility in your case um, and, and adversely potentially affecting your health. So follow doctor's orders. All right, that's good. Well, I mean, maybe my kids can contact you if they're if they uh, lose their homework or something. They'll get the the Jerry Beckerman uh, excuse. Absolutely. Well, you have all the excuses. Um, yeah, medical attention is really key, and and you know the fifth thing um, in our little five step process here is you know consult with an attorney. That's kind of the last thing after you've done all these steps. Um, and I think we've covered it really well. The only other thing I think. We didn't address, besides collecting evidence with the phone, when the police come, do your best to find a witness, right? Do your best to give the police evidence. The officers that do traffic reports are typically you know, your very level, entry level, new guys uh, on the scene, the traffic cops. They do hundreds of these, and a lot of times they just don't, not all, but sometimes when they're busy, they don't create very factually thorough reports. Okay. And you could have been in a bad accident where it's a green light, red light issue, and you got three people that were at the scene there, and they're going to be like, we'd love to you know, give you our name and number, and, and you're going to assume the police took their info, but a lot of times they're not going to. So you know somebody that witnessed it, get a name, get a number, a witness to your case is big. Tell the police, you know, this guy Joe over here gave me his name, he saw everything that happened. It's a non, non-interested party that's also helpful. So that's the only other thing I would add about the information gathering phase. In addition to the photographs, grab a witness if there is one on the scene and tell the cops very good and thorough story. I think that's excellent, excellent advice. Um, in terms of contacting an attorney, and again, it sounds a little bit self-serving, obviously, uh, two lawyers talking about <laughs> you know, contacting a, an attorney, but um, the truth is, is that, you know, um, getting some input from uh, uh, an attorney who has experience with a particular type of case can go a long way in terms of um, positioning your case for a better result down the road. Um, someone who waits uh, a year after an accident, um, there's only so much that you know you can do at that point um in terms of giving advice or or suggestions for them um so i would just add and i'm sure if you would agree but to basically reach out to an attorney before you're in a situation where you know hey i you know i gotta get the case settled you know i'm, I'm sort of up against a uh, a statute of limitations deadline um and contact that attorney early on so you can get some input um, so to help position your case for a better result down the road. Yeah, er earlier the better. I mean, most states have two-year statute of limitations, the state of Illinois does, um, but you know, Tennessee is one year, right? So a lot of people just don't know that. Some states have a one-year statute, some have three, some have four, most have two, but even the statute of limitation, and that means that's your limit for filing a claim to get compensation. Even without that, the earlier you contact a lawyer is better because we're going to be able to make sure that these holes that defense pokes in your case don't exist. So if you're not getting medical attention, 
a lawyer is going to remind you, hey, you know, why aren't you going to see um, the neurologist that you were told to follow up with for your brain injury? You know, why aren't you seeing the orthopedic sports doctor for the knee that you can't walk on? You know, why aren't you going to therapy like you were recommended? Um, hey, help me out. You said there's a witness on the scene. You said his name was Joe and he lived in, uh, you know, in the neighborhood. What did he look like? We'll send an investigator to go find him and, and make sure we get a recorded statement, right? Little things like that that are so vital in the first couple of days and week or even weeks at the latest after an accident are crucial to making sure that the case is as sound as possible for a potential trial or resolution, you know, a year or two away. But any of those little gaps or mistakes, sometimes we can't catch up if, if you call us a year later and tell us about your accident. And unfortunately, you've lost out on an opportunity to get a compensable case. Gary, I appreciate your input and your time. And uh, I really think this was good dialogue and really hope, hopefully helpful information uh, for people who uh, may have been involved in an accident recently or may have a friend or family member who, who was. So thank you and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Personal Injury Law Podcast. I'm Jonathan Rosenfeld. If you or anyone you know would like more information on any of the topics on the podcast, please visit my website at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Please feel free to rate the show and leave a review. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. 